Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. It's anecdotal, but I do think it's a thing. I'm hearing from a growing number of people uh, who tell me they're disengaging from the news, and in some cases from politics altogether. Um, and uh, pulled up a, a 2018 article from the New York Times. Uh, cites a study that we'll get into by a nonprofit organization uh, uh, called More in Common. They're wanting to bring us together, but uh, uh, some quotes here, pretty stark. There's a Jamie McDaniel who works full-time, is raising a young daughter. She says, politics is not a hobby, but an obligation to be endured. More a dental appointment than a ball game. On November 6, 2018, she voted, in this case mostly for Democrats, in a church. But in an interview three days later, she said she hadn't checked to see who won. She says, I prefer to be in the dark because of all the hostility going on. Marsha Newman in West Virginia says, I'm so upset I feel physically ill. Just the ugliness of it all. It's so heartbreaking that we all we can do is bring each other down and cut into each other. I feel like I'm going to cry. And Christopher Kershaw in New Jersey says it's like World War One, where you're pushing each other back and forth over the same quarter mile of ground and nothing happens. We'll get into that uh, study and a few others as we uh, go along. But, uh, definitely want to get to your feelings on this. Our are you disengaging from the news and from politics? If so, uh, would love to know the reason why. Or have you uh, felt important to stay engaged? Want to know why there as well? Uh, you can email us to upraccess at gmail.com, upraccess at gmail.com, or you can call us to 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495. My guests for the hour include University of Utah Law Professor Ronell Anderson-Jones, who joins us by telephone. Uh, welcome back to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you. Uh, I understand you're Lee E. Teitelbaum, Endowed Professor of Law, Associate Dean of Faculty and Research at the SGA Quinney uh, College of Law at U of U. Also affiliated fellow at Yale Law School's Information Society Project. What 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 is that, Information Society Project? Uh, it's a, a group of scholars who think about uh, communications and uh, the media and social media and the way uh, that the law impacts the way that we have uh, conversations about matters of public concern. All right. And in studio is um, USU uh, Associate Professor of Communication Studies, uh, Jason Gilmore. Thanks for having thanks, me. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming mm -hmm. uh, back in the program. So, Ronell Anderson-Jones, uh, you were on the U USU campus recently talking about, uh, I think, disengagement, at least in part, disengagement from uh, media, I believe. Yeah, that, uh, that's right. A, a lot of my uh, recent research has been focusing on um, audiences of press coverage and thinking about the ways that we consume press coverage and the ways that that does or does not map onto the um, ideals, the constitutional ideals that we see in the First Amendment. Uh, and, and one of the things that we have been noticing is that um, – uh, uh, the sort of average American's willingness uh, to uh, engage with news, and particularly political news, um, is waning. Um, something like two-thirds of Americans just um, don't see their lives through any kind of political lens and, um, and do not really think of uh, – consumption of news through sort of transpartisan gatekeepers of the old traditional press as something that um, that they need to do or that they ought to do or that they can handle doing. Um, and why are people um, saying that they're disengaging? 
Well, I, I think it's I, I think it's happening on um, a lot of different levels. Some of the explanations are the same reasons that people have been in, disengaged from politics uh, for a long time, right? They're just scraping by. Uh, they don't have a lot of patience for politics because they have other really important things on deck. You know, they're trying to figure out how to pay rent. Um, some folks, uh, I think, think um, politics just isn't really a part of their identity, right? They um, they think of it as like a, a sport that they don't follow, right? Uh, they're, they're not into it. And, and we've done, I think, a poor job of conveying um, that politics is about all of us, that uh, news about matters of public concern and accountability for our government officials is something that we all as citizens have an obligation to think about. I, I think more than anything, uh, the folks in sort of the vast middle in this country, the, the disengaged two-thirds, are really quite disgusted uh, by what's happening with the very engaged one-third. Um, and so folks who are voters, who are really, really engaged in politics right now, are really I- identifying in deeply partisan ways, right? Negative loathing um, is motivating those folks far more than positive loyalty is. And a lot of that animosity um, and hatred and partisanship that is happening amongst the engaged in politics is really um, discouraging to folks who have decided to become disengaged. They think that it's, uh, it's too ugly a business to be involved in. In fact, what you just said is is borne out by this study that I made reference to, 2018, uh, uh, commissioned by More in Common, a nonpartisan organization. Um, and uh, you know, two thirds of the people, um, they're they're not engaged because they they just feel exhausted. In fact, this study calls this two thirds the exhausted majority. Um, so I want to turn to uh, to um, Jason Gilmore. Um, are, are are you seeing this? Uh, people disengaging. Um, yeah, I mean, before the show, you and I were talking about how uh, sometimes it's it's difficult for those of us who study this, who are interested in this. At times, it's it's tough for us to to want to keep engaged uh, because of the divisive nature of politics. So I, I think that's very much the case um, with those who maybe are not as informed, right? Um, so I think Professor Jones is really uh, honing in on something, which is the fact that um, those who are engaged uh, at a high level with politics um, are um, sometimes uh, tough for those who are not to deal with interpersonally, right? Because they are so invested, because it's 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 such a, a flag that they uh, are waving and uh, at times pressure those who are not uh, in, engaged in politics, to be more engaged in politics, and to see the world through their lens, that people are just like, I just, I, I can't do this. So that interpersonal uh, component of, of how we consume news and how we get informed about the world, where we, we tend to look to people that we trust, um, it's a lot easier more and more to just look to somebody who's going to who's going to lay out the information for us in a way that that doesn't accuse us of things that doesn't uh, make us feel like we we don't want to engage um, and I think that's that's a core piece of, of the problem um, is that uh, we don't have this kind of uh, way of engaging the middle in a way that that maybe doesn't I don't know if shaming is the right word but I mean to a certain extent right that doesn't say you need to be more involved and you need to see the world through my lens 
um, that says, no, you need to be engaged. You need to see this through your own lens. Um, and then we need to find outlets for them to be engaged in a way that doesn't feel so divisive. Mm-hmm. Um, and our media uh, spectrum um, is kind of a an enigma to a lot of people, right? I mean, in generations before, people looked to certain sources, knew that they were authoritative, knew that they were the sources that they should look to, and they trusted those sources. We have a media environment, a news media environment, where I think that group in the middle says, I don't even know where to look anymore, right? Is it all biased? Is And what does that mean? And is that um, going to turn me in a way that I don't actually want to be? I'm just going to step back. So I think you see it over and over again that there are there it's multifaceted, uh, there, or there are multifaceted or multiple reasons why people are disengaging with politics. Um, but that divisive nature of politics, starting from our politicians, uh, but now being uh, trumpeted through our um, media environment, I think is is very much the culprit. Mm. Ronald Anderson Jones, I wonder what you uh, think about that. The, the, uh Obviously, the vitriol is turning off some people. I think large numbers of people, it, it seems to be from the studies. Um, on the other hand, it seems to be effective. Uh, it, it does. And I mean, and part of the problem here, right, is that um, the sort of symbiotic relationship between uh, politicians and the folks who, who are engaged uh, really have honed in on this kind of vilification focus, right? And this, like, enemy focus in American politics has really startling consequences for accountability for the electorate, which is what all of those folks in that that category that you're calling, or that the study is calling the exhausted majority, the sort of folks in the middle who um, really just have to check out because um, they can't handle it, um, they they are rightly seeing that um, the government doesn't wholly work for them, right? Uh, If if it's true that um, most of the voting out there, most of the engagement in politics is on the basis of um, hostility and anger towards another side and partisanship, this actually substantially lessens the pressure on the winner of an election to deliver on any of their promises, right? Because if their voters' psychological satisfaction really just comes from defeating and humiliating the other side and not really from any expectation of performance or policy benefits that might come from um, the victory from putting your person in, this kind of us versus them mentality really undermines a whole lot of those sort of old traditional theories of electoral accountability, where we think, you know, the incumbent um, has to deliver to us. They have to give us performance benefits. They have to um, meet policy needs. They have to serve us, the people. And if politicians um, are really catering to the, their partisan, their angry partisan base, then they're actually much less likely to be punished at the polls for demonstrating incompetence or dishonesty or unethical behavior because competence and honesty and ethical behavior weren't really why we picked them, right? Um, the Their partisan base picked them because the other party was the enemy and we hate enemies. And um, th- that can be super discouraging for folks who were trying to um, engage in the political process and say, please get involved. This government works for you. This government owes accountability to you in a democracy and in a republic. Uh, you have the right to to uh, select your leaders and to ask them to work on your behalf. And their response, I think, rightly, is that it doesn't feel like the system works like that. It feels like moneyed interest 
uh, and um, partisan loyalty is driving a lot of what's happening in government. And so even folks who really would like to get involved or really would like to make a difference in their communities feel discouraged about the prospect of their government being able to do that for them. What and I'm, I'm, we'll, we'll treat this as we go along, and I'm sort of skipping to the end. But uh, uh, Professor Jones, what what do you think are solutions? This person so, feels helpless. Uh, I think a couple of the solutions on on both fronts are educational. Uh, one thing that we we have really seen a waning of in this country is civic education. We spend a lot less time and energy with uh, uh, sort of public education in this country has moved. Um, away from sort of having a core focus on uh, helping people understand how government works, how government ideally works, uh, what uh, the founders uh, designed our Constitution to do. Uh, And the same is true, I think, on the question of media literacy. We um, could use uh, some strong educational components amongst young people in this country today uh, to talk to people about uh, how uh, to use and consume media, the kinds of demands to make uh, from the media, the kinds of accountability um, that they should seek uh, from their elected officials and how to use the media as a tool um, in that accountability. Um, I, I do think that sort of truth-seeking in this country has become really complicated, that people are confused about um, who is lying and who is telling the truth and how to find accurate, good sources of information. The world was a lot simpler uh, when we had sort of Walter Cronkite and um, uh, a handful of trusted newspapers that uh, had an obligation to sort of uh, present both sides and engage in transpartisan news delivery. And in a more complicated media environment, part of what we might need to do is really work harder to think about what our civic obligation is as a citizen, what it means uh, to consume news in a democracy, and what it means um, to be a full participant in democracy, it it will only be when the the people set expectations uh, that the government meets those expectations, I think. Jason Gilmore, what do you what do you think on on that? Some prescriptions, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree wholeheartedly that we need to have uh, better civic education, better education about media literacy, and I think one of the core components uh, to that is to teach about the value of democracy and what that exactly means, because I think that's I think that's actually waning in our society is is this notion that we we actually do have a responsibility uh, not to our partisan. Uh, inclinations, but to the nation itself, right? And that we as individuals uh, uh, need to support this democracy. And so the notion of what a democracy is, what the functionality of democracy is, then instructs us about um, how we should uh, engage with media and what we should uh, hold leaders accountable for. Um, and I'm not sure that, um, as I teach media literacy in my classes, I'm not sure that students are coming into my classroom with that knowledge already uh, in their pockets. And so uh, perhaps you're getting that um, more and more or more at a at a higher education institution. But are you getting that um, in high school? Are you getting that in other uh, facets of your life? Um, so I think that is fundamentally uh part of what we need to do. Um, I think part of the the notion of teaching media literacy um, in such a complex news environment, 
um, at least one of the, the things that I teach my students um, is about just kind of triangulating uh, the things that you learn. So it, if if you are untrusting of the media environment, um, you have political inclinations that might push you to Fox News or MSNBC, um, you need to branch out and verify your information or at least get a broader understanding of a, of a given issue um, that gives you more complex uh, understanding than simply one kind of partisan side of things. Um, but as we were talking before, it's it's tough if you're a liberal to, to go and uh, open up foxnews.com and vice versa. It's tough if you're a conservative to go over and see what's going on at MSNBC um, or m maybe a better equivalent would be the Huffington Post. Um, those are tough uh, asks of people. But perhaps actually what we should be talking about is the, the institutions that we still have in place that are... Uh, you know, news uh, organizations that are attempting to at best or attempting their best at um, performing their duty as um, the watchdog of government, as consumer advocates, as representatives of the larger collective people that we do have journalists out there that are actually functioning um, the way that we ideally, from a democratic point of view, uh, want them to be operating. Um, but each of those organizations hold their own um, sense of political bias as well, right? So we say New York Times is a good source somewhere in the middle, maybe Politico, maybe Wall Street Journal, or some of these places that may lean in one direction or the other, but by and large still operate with uh, really, you know, high standards of journalism. Um, and uh, but it's a it's a tough ask, especially in this new media environment. Uh, to to direct people's attention to these long form uh, journalistic organizations um, where people want to consume news through kind of snippets and um, headlines that are on their uh, social media feeds. So it's difficult, um, but I agree that we need to talk more and more about what that looks like. And then I think Professor Jones is really honing in on something incredibly important, which is then holding these news organizations accountable uh, for what our kind of renewed demands are. Uh, but that's kind of pushing in an ideal direction that we would actually be able to 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 grasp what we want of news and then ask of news uh, exactly that. Um, but I think that's the, definitely the direction we need to go in. Let's take a break. <clears throat> uh, when we come back, um, uh, when we come back, I want to talk about the the elephant in the room, and I'm I'm talking about um, President Trump, uh, <laughs> um, because some of the people I've been talking to uh, tell me uh, it's very specific. I I just can't stand to hear President Trump talk. I I can't stand him. Um, and that's why, specifically, I'm <laughs> disengaging. Um, on the other side, um, quoting from this New York Times article, Bruce Bell in uh, Michigan, um, he said he voted Democratic his whole life, including twice for Barack Obama. He's drifted from the party. Uh, and he has a, com uh, a complaint on the other side. He said the progressives, they just shut you down. Uh, you're a complete idiot if you don't, uh, you don't know what you're talking about. You have a college. You have. You don't have a college degree to even have an opinion on the matter, um, and and so that very specific uh, reason uh, why some people are disengaging. I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, we're talking uh, with uh, Ronell Anderson Jones, 
who is the Lee E. Teitelbaum Endowed Professor of Law and Associate Dean of Faculty and Research at S.J. Quinney College of Law at University of Utah. And uh, Jason Gilmore is USU Associate Professor of Communication Studies. You can join this conversation. I'd love to hear your story. Ha- are you disengaging? Have you disengaged? Uh, if so, why? And uh, what do you think about it? I'd love to hear your story. Upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com, or 800-826-1495. More following this break. Thanks for listening to Access U. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking about uh, disengagement. Uh, seems to be a growing number of people uh, just uh, pulling back from consuming news um, and a uh, growing number of people is pulling back from politics. Uh, they're citing reasons such as the vitriol, the partisanship, the uh, the polarization. Politics has just gotten so ugly in general. Um, and I'd love to hear from you. Uh, have, have you pulled back from the news, from politics? And I'd love to hear uh, your story. I'd love to hear your reasons. Um, upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Or you can call us, 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495. I'll direct this first to you, Jason Gilmore. Um, I'm hearing from some people. I mean, some people tell me, I'm I just too ugly. Uh, I just can't do it. But but some people um, are telling me it's one particular person is why I'm pulling back. Mm-hmm. So these are progressives, obviously. Uh, you know, if you're in the 40% something that uh, that uh, support President Trump, you're gonna you're gonna like to hear what he has to say, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but some progressives uh, uh, tell me uh, I just can't stand the sound of his voice. I just mm-hmm. can't, uh, can't, can't, can't take it. I can't take him, right? And uh, any president will occupy some headspace, right? Because they're just so prominent. Um, but President Trump has perfected the art of sucking the air out of the uh, oxygen out of the room and uh, just really accelerating the news cycle. Uh, that's one of the the skills that he has. In fact, you're uh, you're writing a book on President Trump's communication style, right? I am indeed. I don't know if you've heard any of these, uh, you know, uh, comments to that effect. And uh, what what do you think about that? That people are some people are I think are disengaging because of the president. Um, yeah, I mean, without a doubt. People are uh, disengaging uh, because of the president. Um, and I don't think it, it, it's a partisan thing to say that Donald Trump is is unlike uh, any of his predecessors in a number of ways. Um, but I think first and foremost, he breaks from the tradition of not targeting uh, actively uh, your political rivals from the bully pulpit of the presidency. Um, so... You know, I mean, again, it's not a partisan thing to say that he targets people, that he actively seeks to divide people, that he uh, calls out uh, Democrats not just because they won't get anything done, but because they're idiots and they're, you know, he uses this terminology um, that is incredibly divisive. So um, if you're on the receiving end of that, um, yeah, it's going to make you mad. No, you're not going to want to listen to it. And no, you're not going to be able to bear even seeing the, the sight of the man um, because you're at the receiving end of, of his, uh, his attacks. Right. And uh, so Donald Trump has definitely perfected the art of speaking to his supporters. 
Um, he says that through his tw Twitter feed, he's speaking directly to the people, but by and large, he's speaking directly to his base. Um, and that's that's his communication style from the presidency. And this very much goes along with what Professor Jones was talking about, which is making the other um, the other party the enemy. And he's perfected the art of that. Um, so if you look back at even our mo some of our most divisive kind of modern presidents, they sidestepped a lot of that, let me point at the other party um, and call them names, uh, whereas Donald Trump has very much done that. But Donald Trump is doing that because uh, at least for a, a sizable portion of the population, um, they like that. That's why they voted for him. That's why they want him in office. And so as we're kind of grappling with these issues about how do we have a more uh, inclusive and unified uh, uh, electorate, how do we have conversations about better consuming news, um, he is actively trying to uh, shake those foundations. Um, you shouldn't trust any news. You should only t trust my voice. Um, and so he's, as, as again, as we're trying to say, we need to, to have a better democracy and a democracy that has various voices and that we should be checking our news and having better news consumption. He is uh, actively attempting to undermine that. And again, I don't think that's a partisan thing to say. It's very much in his everyday speech, right? He calls the, the, the mainstream media the enemy of the people. Um, so this is in his language. Uh, this is his strategy. Um, is to divide us and to pit us against um, the the press, and I think um, I think he's been somewhat successful in making people really just not know. When they look at news media, they just they're just like I know Fox News and Huffington Post are these crazy uh, organizations, but it seems like all of these places are biased. Again, I just need to step back. Uh, Ron Allen, Jones, I wonder what you're uh, seeing anecdotally or any studies that you've seen. Is is this disengagement, is it more on one side than the other, or is it gen, you know, it's general disengagement? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, uh, the folks uh, that, we're, that we're talking about in, in the study that was the focus uh, that you led off with, um, uh, what's really happening is that those folks are, um, are not uh, as... Um, divided as the country seems. This is the, this is the thing that's most interesting about this dynamic is that uh, the vast majority of people in this country, if the recent social science and political science studies are to be believed, um, are not as polarized as um, the Trump administration or uh, Twitter or um, recent media coverage on either side of the aisle would have us believe, uh, but rather um, there's a sort of vast set of folks who um, whose political views are significantly less rigid than those of the people who are highly politically engaged or right, sort of engaging in that um, enemy construction that we talked about. It, it is, of course, in every politician's best interest to sort of demand tribalism and loyalty, to sort of um, uh, push people to one extreme or the other and to... Um, and excite people to loyalty or to loathing of the other side. But the the reality, the sort of boots-on-the-ground reality, is that there is this vast, uh, quite overlooked, quite disengaged political middle um, that um, the country has sort of moved on without. And 
those folks in that exhausted majority are being subjected to this same um, sort of stylistic approach that Jason was talking about. Uh, and, And there's something really dangerous about the construction, particularly of democratic institutions, as an enemy. It, uh, I've written a lot. Um, a lot of my scholarship, my legal scholarship, focuses on the First Amendment and on freedom of the press. And um, it gravely concerns me that we've entered an era in which uh, a number of powerful people in this country, most notably the president, have engaged in enemy construction of the press, uh, casting uh, the press not as a respected democratic institution. Um, and, and going beyond many, uh, a lot of my research suggests that many modern presidents have had beasts with the press, right? Press-president tension is not a new thing. It's an old thing. It has consistently existed. And presidents have often said that they're disappointed in the press or that they think that the press coverage was unfair or have countered press reports with additional information to try to set the record straight. Uh, but this sort of active campaign to vilify and undercut uh, folks who are engaged in journalism in this country and reporting on matters of public concern um, is deeply problematic. I think it's something that all of us um, should find troubling uh, because uh, the founders designed the First Amendment and particularly freedom of the press for uh, for the benefit of our electorate to make sure that we were talking about matters of public concern in constructive ways and that we were having conversations um, that were factual, that were adding more information to the marketplace of ideas rather than undercutting the sources by vilifying them. And um, it, it's something that I think we need to talk about a lot, and I think it's something we have to be vigilant about. Um, increasingly, these attacks on the press are just sort of shoulder-shrugging episodes for us. We just say, well, that's uh, those are things that the president says. Um, I remember the very first time that he used the phrase, the enemy of the people, and it was out, uh, outlandish, right? Uh, people across the country said, Right, that's not the way we talk about um, the democratic institution of the press in this country. Uh, and increasingly, this sort of fire hose of vilification has put us in a place where um, even folks who were really worked up about that at the beginning have started to become disengaged. And I think that's really key to the conversation that we're having today, is that some of the disengagement that is happening is just because of the sheer bulk of uh, anxiety that people feel. Right, There's just so much happening and it's happening all at once, and people are um, so upset about so many things that they feel like politics will take over their lives if they try to engage on every level. And so for their own well-being, for their own mental health, people are shutting down. Even those who started out quite politically engaged are finding it difficult to sustain that. And um, that sort of fatigue is a thing that we, we need to think about uh, in this country and need to think about how you sort of share the load of tackling important issues um, while still uh, keeping people mentally well. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, really the crux of the discussion, right? Uh, We have a couple of callers and an email, so uh, thanks for joining us for the the conversation. Uh, You can call us 800-826-1495 or upraxcess at gmail.com. Jairo uh, in Logan is our uh, first caller up. Uh, Thanks for calling. Thanks, Tom, for having me. Um, I first of all like to say a, a big thank you uh, to obviously UPR, NPR. Uh, you know, our our members of the press. I think it's it's an important job that you guys do. Um, you know, I try to stay informed. 
uh, I can, I, a lot of the things that have been said on the program about anxiety and things like that do resonate. And I think it's just uh, the citizens, uh, we don't know how to, <clears throat> we're being told, you know, how to feel about things and it, by some news outlets and, and things like that. But I think it's, it's time to draw back the conversation on, on how do we stay informed and without, uh, you know, losing our patience with, um, with, the, with our current situation. I, I think it's important for the public to stay engaged uh, because it's an important matter that, 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 that we all um, can have conversations with our friends, our family, our neighbors. Uh, so, so yeah. Uh, appreciate that, Howard. Uh, it sounds like you're you're hanging in there. You're consuming the news and uh, trying to trying to have uh, not lose patience. Uh, appreciate that, Hyro. Uh, yeah, of course. Um, thanks for calling. Uh, next up, I believe is is it Mike? Mike and Logan. Mike, uh, th- uh, glad uh, yeah. glad you called. Go ahead. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a. Uh, I think the largest uh, dichotomy that we don't address in today's politics, and that is everything leans towards the president will solve everything. We've gotten away with all politics being local, and we've gotten towards the president will solve the world. We saw that with President Obama. He reached out to the young folks voting for the first time. He said, I will change things. And they believed it. And at the end of his presidency, there things that he was said he would change didn't. Same with uh, uh, Trump. I will change things. But they're not changers. The president shouldn't be the changer. It should be the Congress. And the Congress, the, the, they've really folded in the last 60 years and, and left it all to be the president, the leader of our party. I'm not going to do anything that's not going to pass. The Congress has really passed on their job and this imperial presidency makes it so we focus on them so when we have a natural disaster it's about the president it's not about the local guy who has to ask the state guy for help and the state guy who has to ask the federal government for help it's not on the process it's not on what your local leaders have prepped it's on what does the president do for me what is the president doing for us and is he keeping his word and everybody knows that campaign promises are campaign promises, but still, we put too much weight, especially I think the media puts too much weight on what the president says. And they go about convincing everybody that the president says this, so the sky is falling. The president says this, so the sky is falling. And then the other problem is they talk about it as being a democracy, which we are. We're a republic. Those sorts of things make it so that people don't realize most of the politics that impacts their lives happens in their community. Yeah, good points, good points. And I think if you concentrate on Congress, that uh, that produces some depression as well because it's <laughs> um, it's Congress yeah, is Congress not doing much, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that good points. Politics is the, the biggest effect is is the local politicians. So as a disabled veteran, I was in the military. And I went from all these different bases, and nobody ever voted in a local election. And the military is different because they're, they they move, so they don't have a lot of buy-in. But every single one of them talked about the president. They never talked about 
they're in these wars they don't want to be in. They never talked about Congress that should be either letting them in the war, sending them in the war, or keeping them out of the war. They all talked about the president. That's right, with the military being commander-in-chief. But Congress has given up so much power that you can't have any check or balance on what we're doing out there. So we're losing thousands of people and then walking away from the battle saying, yeah, we're done. And those sorts of things, again, Congress has really sandbagged it for so many years that that's the place where it's got to get fixed. Mm. Yeah, Tom, I think uh, Mike has a really good point here that uh, taps into a lot of what we were talking about in terms of people's capacity, their, their, their literal bandwidth, right? How much um, the average American can uh, consume and digest and process uh, and tackle about politics or um, in uh, political media coverage. And uh, what happens inevitably is that we do have this sort of cult of personality that arises, right? Our capacity to pay attention to things uh, to the extent that it's limited, uh, we hone in on individual personalities or individual news stories or individual Twitter feeds. uh, And um, people do absolutely gravitate, particularly um, with a president who has as big a personality as this one does, uh, to, uh, to sort of focusing on um, individuals rather than on processes. And I think this uh, loops back to some of the things that Jason was saying about the importance of a broad-based civic education. Uh, it, uh, if, if you came of age in a public school setting where it was made really clear to you that the government and your role in government um, is intricate, intricate, and has um, local levels, and that there are three branches of government, and that um, each of those branches has a role in decision making um, for which uh, you can demand accountability. There, um, there might be some sort of broader capacity to think about um, what's happening in the news and to be able to process it in a way that isn't just focused on any one individual. Uh, so, Mike, uh, thanks for for calling. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good, great points, uh, Jason. What do you What do you think? Um, I, so, if we think about this this uh, environment right now with the president, um, if you go on to any of the news sites from CNN to to New York Times, it doesn't matter. Um, it is very much the Trump show, and um, so I I think that's playing into actually Donald Trump's uh, strategy, which is, um, number one, pay attention to me. Number two, that system over there, Congress, is broken. Um, and, you know, if you look at approval ratings of Congress uh, over the last 20 years, it has been, you know, uh, down at the bottom. People don't trust Congress. Um, and I think that feeds into Trump's popularity to a certain extent that even as these kind of the impeachment and all of these things kind of uh, emerge, um, the the story that I think a lot of Trump supporters are seeing is that the Congress is broken. Um, the Congress is this partisan, nasty place, and that's the reason I put Trump in there, was to, to shake things up. Um, so it becomes about uh, 
too much about Donald Trump. And tr- Donald Trump himself has said the media has never done better uh, than with me in office. Um, and, I mean, I remember before Trump got into office, we were talking about will these uh, news organizations fail in the digital era? And I don't think it's just Donald Trump that is uh, – that has brought back news media. I think they've very astutely found new ways of, of making money and uh, transmitting the news, but it is very much about the Trump show and um, they are making money off of the Trump show. Now your CNNs and, and uh, politicos and all of them are attempting to say, we are informed about our democracy. We need to inform the electorate about how Donald Trump might be uh, challenging that democracy. So I think they're actually, um, we're seeing some changes in our, uh, in our media that perhaps reflects a, a different era that's not so focused on objectivity, but focused on uh, the media's role as a watchdog of the people. Of course, that then fuels the accusation that because they're criticizing Donald Trump, they're biased. They're, they're, uh, Donald Trump talks about the mainstream media not only as the enemy of the people, but as the opposition party. Right? They're just all Democrats. It's the Democrats in there, um, and they're against us all. Um, but at, so on a final point to that, I think it's interesting because that again plays into his uh, strategy of only playing to his base. And that's why his approval rating has never really gotten above 42 percent, um, because if the Democrats are the opposition party and the press is the opposition party and they're all enemies, how does he ever expect any of them to come over to his side and to support his presidency? Um so I think basically what we're seeing is that, yeah, we're spending all of our time either thinking about Trump, and even if we're disengaged with the news, we know he's making news every day. We, our friends are, are getting uh, ticked off about it and, and throwing fits around us. Um, so it's very much the Trump show, whether you're in or, or outside of news. Um, and that is a problem. Right. Um, we need to be having conversations more about the policies of our nation, perhaps, as Mike was talking about, the broken nature of our Congress um, and how that is affecting our disengagement also with local politics, which is, as he was pointing out, incredibly important. Um, before we go to break here, when I go to break next, uh, I was just talking to someone this morning uh, who said um, I was I was telling her what we're going to have on today. And uh, she said, oh, yeah, I, I find myself uh, <laughs> disengaging from the news and getting depressed and everything. Uh, but she said, I'm running for uh, city council. So good for her, right? I mean, <laughs> um, you know, uh, get involved. Um, protect yourself, I guess, uh, but but get involved in the in the process. Uh, let's do uh, take a break. We are talking with Ron L. Anderson-Jones uh, from University of Utah Law School and Jason Gilmore from uh, USU's Department of uh, or, uh, Studies, Communication Studies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we're talking about disengagement. A growing number of people are, seem to be disengaging from the news, disengaging from politics. And uh, we're talking about that and uh, wondering uh, how to reverse that uh, trend since we do think it's uh, harmful to our democratic system to have so many people being disengaged uh, while understanding it. Um, and would love to get your experience, your thoughts on this. Appreciate those who have called, and uh, you can call us as well. We have about 10 minutes left in the program. 800-826-1495. Love to get your thoughts on this. 800-826-1495. 
Um, or you can email us to upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Following the break, immediately following the break, we'll get to uh, uh, Glenn's email. Glenn has emailed us from the Uona Basin. More following this break. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. We've reached our last segment uh, on our topic, which is disengagement. Uh, we're seeing studies and uh, a lot of anecdotal information that uh, an increasing number of people are disengaging. I just can't uh, engage with the news, and uh, some of those people just can't engage with uh, politics. Um, one lady I quoted from the New York Times uh, said she voted, but uh, when asked three days later, uh, "Have you checked to see who won?" she says, "I can't. I can't even. I can't. I don't even want to know who won. I'm, I'm so disillusioned." Uh, and I think if that describes you, uh, we'd love to hear from you, 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495, or upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. So let's get to this email from Glenn, uh, Glenn in the Uona Basin. He says, hello, I usually shut off uh, most news as the presidential election season approaches. Over the last couple cycles, it seems there has been uh, no off-season in the election cycle. I've been clean and sober from social media since April of 2016. Not a Trump fan, not a fan of AM talk radio, and tired of hearing the same tripe from the news. I crave shows like Access Utah, This American Life, Snap Judgment, etc., which have either a local interest or are more personal interest based. As a programming note for the station... I stream Pandora whenever there is special coverage, either the presidential news conference, House Senate inquiries, or whatever political poison is offered. This subject brings out the weapons-grade cynicism in me. That's uh, Glenn in the the Uona Basin. So uh, we're reaching the end of the program. So a a quick response, Jason, from you first on this. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I completely understand, uh, especially on the level of, of social media, why people disengage. Um, but Tom, actually, right before the break, I, th- I thought you brought up something that's really um, integral to this, which is if you are um, disengaging and disillusioned by the uh, the system, perhaps it's time that you need to get involved. You need to, you know, do something for your community, run for office. Like the the idea of political engagement, um, if you don't like the system, it is incumbent upon you to to try and change it. I think a lot of people are convinced that they can't, that they get into there, they're just going to be part of the same. Um, But no, in fact, it's only going to change if we have people in there trying to change it. That brings up a point when when I when I talk to progressive friends who say they can't uh, stand President Trump and just have to tune it out. um, uh, I I want to remind them that uh, the the conservatives who hated uh, President Obama. Um, many of them organized, as known as the Tea Party, <laughs> became quite an effective movement. Uh, so where's the progressive Tea Party? Anyway, that's just an aside. Okay, uh, before we go to Professor uh, Jones, let's get in another call. Uh, Robin from North Logan, uh, glad you called. Go ahead with the question or comment. Hi, well, I just had a couple of points on, on the things that um, people have been saying, but um, the the president isn't the changer, but he's the leader. He's the figurehead. He's the one that sees the future for everybody. He has a big picture. That's what it's supposed to be. I think that is something that uh, when he de- degrades everyone by by calling them an enemy of the people, by calling them all names, 
for some reason, he he has the right to give everybody um, uh, some nefarious nickname. Um, that that's the atmosphere that people work in. You work under the leader. Number two, um, they, he bats around enemy as a people a lot. I don't know if he knows. Basically, the enemy of the people is actually the truth. If you go back to Ibsen, um, he was responding to people who didn't want to know the truth. Um, and it, it really is kind of mind-boggling to me that nobody has brought up that that was Stalin's main line. And if we want to be like Stalin, we're getting pretty close, because when Trump says something like, uh, I know more than all the generals, I alone can fix America. I'm the only one who can make it great again. And just the other day to Turkey, I and my great and unmatched wisdom will totally destroy and obliterate the Turkey economy if they don't do what I think they should do. Um, it's not a reality show. I know he wants popular numbers and all of this. He's not, it's not a popularity show. It's not a, a reality show. It's people's real lives and it, most people don't want that much drama in their real lives. I agree that the Congress should be doing a lot more, but actually a lot of that depends on who who your leader is and who you're willing to work with. And, and the kind of comments he makes uh, to everybody, I mean, it's just indiscriminate, doesn't, doesn't foster people working together or make anybody who doesn't agree with anything he says really feel like uh, he cares about working with them at all. That's just my comment. Thanks, Tom. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Robin. Appreciate that. Uh, we'll go to Ronald Anderson Jones. I'll go to you for the last word. You'll have about 30 seconds at the end. Apologize for that. I've got a couple of emails I want to get in before we close. Uh, this is Robin Invernal. says, my quick experience. We live in a rural uh, area of Utah, and for the first time, I decided to get involved in local public service. I ran for a nonpartisan school board position, worked hard, and won. The campaign was a brutal process. My opponent joined up with the other two candidates and had a, quote-unquote, political platform, per se. It was a crazy process. Our local newspaper seems to have no problem running ads from private citizens with biased or personal agendas that drag people through the mud based on non-factual, petty, perceived, or personal conspiracy theories because there are a few loud voices can pay for these ads um i'll skip a little bit because of time um the main thing we see is straw man fallacies over and over again it's been a disheartening and wild ride for me i keep wondering where ethical conduct has gone and and common sense uh and then uh, robin says yes to civil ed and then uh, Sin, uh, H-S-I-N, uh, writes in, I'm an Asian immigrant in my early 30s, grew up in Logan. I consider myself a left-leaning progressive. I've grown tired of the gatekeeping on either side. It's odd how far you must lean to be considered part of the tribe. I've also disengaged because I realize that the noise online and in the media are a minority convincing the majority. Since Trump's election, I've only spent, um, uh, I've only spent more speaking with uh, Trump supporters. And as a progressive, I realize that most people aren't to the stereotypes we see online and in the media. Um, and uh, so there, there's more there. But uh, I want to give uh, 30 seconds to Professor Jones to, uh, I guess, uh, your wrap-up for the conversation. Yeah, I, I think the antidote to the last couple of folks who have um, commented uh, is Glenn from the Uina Basin, um, who really, I think, gave us a testament to um, the value of really good journalism, right, which is something that we shouldn't lose sight of uh, in the sort of fire hose of information and in the difficulty that we have in um, 
sort of sifting through um, all of uh, the name-calling and all of the partisanship and all of the difficulties that are going on, really great journalism may well be the key to saving us. Uh, People who can understand and process and humanize and educate and who can offer digestible packages of information to people who are willing consumers of that information, Uh, that's really key to um, to political engagement in the future. We'll have to leave it there. We're out of, out of time. Uh, thanks for now, Anderson Jones and Jason Gilmer. Thanks for having us. And thanks for Thank listening you. to Access Utah.